0: Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, God in the Hands of the Guilty, from Matthew 27, verses 15 through 21. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. It's not a gamble like she's talking about when it comes to Jesus and a relationship with Jesus. I mean, that's what she's singing about, right? That's a great uh, classic rock band called Heart, and she has an amazing voice, and all, all their songs are pretty cool. I'm not necessarily saying you got to go out and buy that, but, um, but since I, I get to decide what we do, then that's what I, we're doing, right? So, um, but, but, you know, the whole thing is she's like, oh, I finally found somebody who's worth going for with, right? And um, for me, connecting the dots, if you haven't found that Jesus is this person that is worth heading straight on um, for, then uh, you don't know enough about Jesus yet because he is um, absolutely not a gamble. Now, um, uh, recently on Friday, I got the COVID vaccine shot, all right? I qualified, so I'm older than you think, maybe. And <laughs> so anyway, um, I, what, you know what happened? At, at what I found out from getting the vaccine shot, what I found out was I had already gotten the COVID-19 thing. All right. So back in um, it, when we shut the church down Sunday mornings and everything, I got really deathly ill with the flu and we didn't really know what it was. How do I know? Because I I know things because um, what happened to me on Friday after I got the vaccine shot, I I experienced the same exact thing, the same exact kind of like I think I'm going to die kind of thing as I did back in April. So I feel like I've had it twice now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) What's that got to do with anything? Well, I've had it twice, I feel like. I mean, it, you know, the, the vaccine, what happens is, is it mimics what it's all about. So I just, it was the worst thing in the world, right? But uh, I guess what I want to tell you is, I, I mean, I, did, I haven't grown in a third eyebrow or anything like that, so I feel like it's safe. You can go ahead and do it. And the reason why Lynn and I went ahead and just went for it is because we want to go see our children, and our world is so crazy and upside down that we felt like it was going to potentially impede us going to see, um, in particular, my son. And so we're like, whatever, we're not going to let anything like that get in the way. So uh, we're going for it. I don't, it doesn't matter, you know, to me what you do or not do. But still, what I think is what's, what's relevant about this, why would you talk about this today, we're going to talk about some things. This is the one place in scripture that we're going to um, be today, where it's going to unearth political implications. It's I, I, yeah, I can't wait. This is perfect. All right, political um, implications like crazy. Uh, we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to get to see a politician straight up. All right, straight up. And so don't get all uh, uh, offended or whatever today. I might say a few things that are a little edgy for you. But my view is that um, we need to draw the truth out of the text. And uh, sometimes when you draw the truth out of the text and, and really truly apply it to your life, there's going to be times where it's uncomfortable. And if we can't as a church learn to navigate with the truth through this political climate, then I don't know what we're doing. We need to learn and continue to learn how to navigate through this. And there is some unbelievable, amazing parallels that I believe the truth just puts right in your face. I'll, I'll just give you uh, one right off the bat that the, the crowds in this scene, the crowds, the masses are are mad. They are mad. And it, 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 when, you, when you stare at these crowds and when you look at the crowds and what they're doing, it's easy to go, oh my gosh, are you, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I cannot believe these people are reacting responding, whatever, are, are, are acting like this. And uh, I'm like, yeah, I feel like I've been there over this last year. Are you kidding me? Okay. So let's look at Matthew chapter 27 and you're going to get to see maybe one of the most political volatile places in the scripture verse chapter 27. We're going to go down starting at verse 15. Okay. Here we go. It says during the feast The governor was accustomed to release one prisoner to the crowd, whomever they wanted. And at that time, they had in custody a notorious, that word's important, underline the word notorious, prisoner named Jesus Barabbas. Now, in some of your versions, if you're reading from certain versions, that word Jesus in front of the word Barabbas, the name Barabbas doesn't exist there. I actually believe it should be there. Okay, so let's go on to verse 17. So, after they had assembled, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? And then in parentheses, that means Matthew's got a little commentary. He says, For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Why would he do that? Why would he put that in there? Why would he commentate like that? Because he's a smart guy, he knows what's going on. You're smart you know what's going on. All right. You can, you can navigate the politics. You can see, you know, you know that there shouldn't be all this defund the police. What it should be is defund the media, right? You're smart. You get it. Okay. Keep going. Matthew's smart. That's why it's in parentheses there. He's like, oh, okay. All right. Let me just explain what's happening. He knows that pilot knows stuff. All right. Now, Verse 19, as he was sitting on the judgment seat, his, uh, his wife, huh, this is great, guys. Pay attention. As he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent a message to him. Have nothing to do with that innocent man. I have suffered greatly um, as a result of a dream about him today. Verse 20, but the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas, and have Jesus killed. The governor said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, well, then, then what do I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? They all said, crucify him. He asked, why? What wrong has he done? But they shouted more insistently, crucify him. Verse 24. When Pilate saw that he, had, uh, that he could do nothing. That's not true. But, you know could have done something when he saw that he could do nothing but that instead a riot was starting he took some water and he washed his hands before the crowd and he said i am innocent of this man's blood you take care of it yourselves in reply all the people said let his blood be on us and our children that's just madness isn't it verse 26 then he released barabbas for them But after he had Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers uh, took Jesus into the governor's residence and gathered the whole cohort around him. They stripped him, they put scarlet robe around him, and after braiding a crown of thorns, they put it on his head. Okay, that's as far as we're going to go. All right, now you can see, if you're smart, and I know you are, there's craziness going on here, madness. Now, But let's start here with this notorious prisoner. That's where you begin. I want to know more about this guy, Barabbas. And I haven't spent in my career tons of time looking at this guy, but I have recently. And I think there's a lot of lessons here from this guy, Barabbas. A lot, a lot. This notorious prisoner, as Matthew describes him. I have, now, now, in some of your versions, it says notable prisoner. No, no, no. Notorious prisoner. Way better word, way more accurate word. Notorious is the way it should read. So I have, like most, a lot of interest in the fact that there's this character in the Bible who appears just for a moment on the pages of God's word. Just for a minute, he appears, right? Barabbas has got to be a fairly important character, a fairly important guy. Because 38 verses in the Bible revolve around this guy. Now, we talked about Judas um, um, last week a little bit, and only 32 verses have to do with Judas. So more verses are about Barabbas than Judas, and you would think, oh, Judas is more important. More verses have to do uh, with Barabbas, and yet Barabbas did not do any work. He didn't do anything. He didn't do any ministry work or or, or anything like that. He spoke, uh, so far as we know, no words. He said nothing, no words, no words of which we have record of anyway. He's, he's known, I mean, he must have said some things, right? He's known only for that brief hour in which his path crossed the path of Jesus. So many people are important because of their lives, uh, that, because of the, how their lives cross the path of Jesus. And that's why he's here. And so I, I, I do think that's a biblical principle that our lives have significance because they cross the path of Jesus, okay? Now, Barabbas is the only guy in the Bible who could ever say in the physical sense alone, Christ died for me. He's the only guy who could say that. So he becomes a really powerful illustration of the story of the cross. So Matthew tells us about the ancient um, custom or precedent that's invoked by Pilate, this politician. That's what he is in the hope that Jesus might be freed. So but as it turns out, he, it, it, this custom, this precedent freed Barabbas. Look at verse 15. Look at it for yourself so that you can make some notes. During the feast of the governor, the, or during the feast, the governor was accustomed to release one prisoner to the crowd whomever they wanted, so we know from all the accounts of the Bible, if you just use the Bible accounts, that it was the crowd, the crowd probably um, of the supporters, the crowd of supporters of Barabbas, who was very popular, he was an insurgent, evidently, the crowd asked Pilate for the freedom for one of the prisoners because that's what this custom's all about. Right? So they hoped that he would opt for the freedom of Barabbas. Now, Pilate, all right, Pilate's hoping that the people would decide for the freedom of Jesus, actually, which, would, which is what makes the story kind of tragic and crazy, because he's hoping for this so that it would get him out of this dilemma, right? The dilemma, because he didn't really believe that Jesus was guilty. How do we know that? Because we're smart, Because Matthew's smart, everybody knows, he doesn't want to do this. He had, on the one hand, an appeal of his conscience, and on the other hand, a political appeal of expediency. And so the crowd asked him to give them, as the custom was, a freeing of a prisoner. So in Rome, it's the custom of dealing with a conquered people. Rome conquered all kinds of people groups. So it's their custom, in order to gain some rapport with these people, they, they, they release a prisoner like this. So Pilate, not really believing in Jesus' guilt, he took the politically um, the political course um, of action of dealing with this uh, dealing with Jesus in terms of amnesty or a lamb sacrificed at Passover. So this 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 is during Passover. La- last week we talked about that. All this scene is happening during Passover, okay? Every year it's the custom for the Romans to give a notorious prisoner, you know, notorious is key, to the people in order to encourage goodwill. That's the custom, right? Now, maybe the custom came about as a result of its relationship to the Passover itself. The Passover is the time, right? you, You remember Israel, it's the time that Israel celebrated their deliverance from the land of Egypt, so it would have been fitting for a prisoner to be given over to them as an illustration of deliverance of someone who is destined to die. So all of this is happening at the same time. It's Passover, this custom. It, it, it's very, it's not just coincidental. It's, it's what's going on. It's, like, it's not like uh, Pilate didn't know all these things are happening in the, in the city and all around him. It's a big deal with all these people. Look at verse 16. Here, the prisoners described, at that time, they had in custody a notorious prisoner named Jesus Barabbas. And if you put all the descriptions of Barabbas together, you really do have a fascinating picture. It's a fascinating picture. Let's first look at his name. Look at this guy's name. His name is Barabbas. In Aramaic, if you just do a little bit of study, the term bear or bar, is a word that means son. It means son. And Abba is the term term for father. Right? The emphatic form usually translates the father. So, Barabbas's name literally, literally meant son of the father. Okay? Son of the father. It was a surname that was Common among rabbis, actually. I, th- I find that really, really interesting, so that it would be frequently the case that a rabbi might be named Barabbas. So, was this guy the son of some rabbi had he grown up in a rabbinic, uh, rabbinic ministry? Had he grown up with the traditions of the religious aristocracy? Had he grown up with the traditions of the law? Had he been a lover of the nation of Israel and so a lover of Israel's glory? And had he been bitter by the fact that Israel was uh, was under Roman oppression? We don't know exactly, but we're pretty smart people, right? Barabbas means son of the father. And it may be that he was a man who had a very interesting and a very significant background with the rabbinic leaders in the land of Israel. All right. If you just try to connect the dots, there's a lot of sense there. So I want you to notice the word, though, notorious, because that's the next piece of this fascinating picture. He's called a notorious prisoner. And the um, adjective occurs twice in the New Testament, two times. In Romans chapter 16 verse seven, it's, it's used in a good sense, this word notorious, right? But here it, it, it's used in a bad sense. Was he a member of the free Hebrew movement movement? We don't know for sure. Was he a kind of religious rebel? These are all really great questions. Whatever he may have been, the fact that he was a notorious prisoner is probably to be understood in the light, not so much of his beginnings, but as what he developed into later, that's for sure. Notorious, all right? Now, the Gospel of Mark tells us in the account that he he had to do with an insurrection, a true insurrection. He led an insurrection. Jerusalem was seething with discontent at the present time. Seething. That's a really great way to describe it. Just like many nations seethe with discontent politically from time to time, just like ours. Have you seen our nation seething at times over this last year or so? Of course you have was it possible that he was the product of the seething discontent right and a zealot you're pretty smart i'm pretty smart of course it's possible one of jesus's apostles was a zealot his name was simon the zealots were dedicated to the freeing of the nation of israel from the roman oppression so maybe this was his beginning We don't know for sure, but we're pretty smart, right? But the Bible describes him further in ways which are not so complimentary. Actually, John, the Gospel of John says, um, uh, which is, this is part of the picture, he was a robber. He's a robber. And Barabbas, who became a hunted man by the necessity of the kind of life that he led, had to live also, evidently, um, in in a way that he became a hardened criminal, So Rome is really ruthless when it comes to hardened criminals. Rome is all about justice. They're all about justice. All right? And so Rome is ruthless in pursuing people who rebelled against the establishment and the fact that they were hunted. The fact is they were hunting and they hunted people all over the land and Rome had superior forces. So it's necessary for people like this guy Barabbas to survive. It's necessary for them to do brutal things sometimes. So Barabbas had become a hardened, brutal criminal. Actually, the apostle Peter, preaching in Acts chapter 3, you can read about it there, after the resurrection, describes described or says to Israel that they chose a murderer over our Lord Jesus. So we know it was common knowledge of the people at the time that Barabbas was not only a robber, a criminal, he was also a murderer. And so, because what we know about Rome, death was his only future, all right, death. That's the one thing that you can can say about Rome and justice, right? They want justice. It's the one thing that you can say about Rome that seems to have like good implications in some way, right? But it's kind of crazy. But I think that the most striking thing about this guy, Barabbas, and this fascinating picture that we're putting together, when you put it all together, the most striking thing is Israel preferred him, this guy Barabbas, to Jesus. That's the most striking thing. It's crazy, It might seem hard to understand why the nation would prefer a robber, an insurrectionist, a murderer, a notorious criminal to the Lord Jesus, but I don't think it's really too hard to understand. If you just look at our culture and you can see how sometimes it's crazy how upside down and how crazy it is, right? I inadvertently uh, went with a TV channel thing right by the Grammy Awards show thingy. Ugh, I wish I'd have never done that, right? And and um and it's it landed on when that shameful person her name is Cardi B <laughs> was uh doing her thing and it I mean it's the most shameful thing I've ever seen in my life. Unbelievable. And uh, you know how Our culture, our world awards a person like that high honors, features that, I mean, she's on TV all across the planet. And what we think is wrong with our world is Dr. Seuss books. Okay. I mean, come on. Now, look, you know, maybe there's some Dr. Seuss stuff that's whatever. But are you kidding me? Let's just weigh it here. Come on. Okay, now watch. I told you I was going to get a little touchy. Cardi B. That's why I like the classic rock. I mean, they don't, they're not perfect, that's for sure. But my goodness, compared to... I can pretty much only watch country music and stuff anymore. Blake Shelton just came out with this great song that is a remake of the Footloose song. I was like, this is so great. Have you heard him? He sings it better than whoever sang it before. I don't even know who did it. It wasn't Kevin Bacon, but that's all I can think of. (laughs) I digress. I'm just trying to lighten it up because it's getting political. Oh, my gosh. Israel prefers this guy Barabbas to Jesus. Now, I think it's important also. Look at verse 16 and 17. This is my next point here. See, Jesus was a common name. Verse 16 and 17, at that time, they had in custody a notorious prisoner named Jesus Barabbas. That's key. Remember, I talked about this word Jesus, right? So after they would assembled, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ. This is striking to me. Jesus is a common name. It's common knowledge, actually. Jesus was the Greek equivalent word of Joshua, and we know, for example, in the Old Testament, there's a number of men who are named Joshua. It's a popular name, so when the Lord came on the scene right here, his name was Jesus or Joshua, all right? But there's probably uh, were a number of other Joshua's in that day of the Lord Jesus. So when, uh, so so it would not have been strange, it wouldn't have been odd or uncommon for Barabbas to be named Jesus or Joshua Barabbas, all right? And it's possible to think of a situation in where a scribe, these are the guys who copied the scriptures because people wanted the scriptures and so they're all copying the, the New Testament. It's not uncommon or Or not impossible for a New Testament scribe to drop out the word Jesus before Barabbas in some of those scripts or um, uh, uh, this this gigantic amount of um, uh, transcripts that are out there. There's there's tons of them, right? Right? Think of a Christ-following scribe or a Christ-following professing scribe, and many of the early scribes were Christ-followers. You can see a Christ-following scribe reading the passage, looking at the text before him as he's copying it to replicate it so that people can have it, seeing Jesus Barabbas as the name of this hardened criminal, all right? Would't he maybe drop out the uh, the Jesus to keep from associating this hardened criminal with the Lord Jesus, thinking that surely the scribe before him maybe wrote the copy before, you know that wrote the copy before him and on and, and on that one copy he was guilty of an error of his eyes, like oh maybe he just put that in there, and he didn't see that so a christ following scribe would have maybe had the tendency and also the motive to drop out the word Jesus all the more reason for believing that it would would be part of the Matthean, genuine Matthean text. I mean, scribes aren't writing the text, they're copying the text because they got great penmanship. Also notice in verse 17, it makes a lot of sense. Verse 17, whom do you want me to release for you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ. So that last clause, Jesus who is called Christ, suggests that the other Jesus Barabbas, the Jesus who is called Barabbas, might well have been in the text before so that we would uh, have then, whom do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? It makes really good sense. It's perfectly good sense. It suits the context. It would explain the action of Christ following scribes. So you can see that we have here a really interesting parallel. And I don't think it's a mistake in any way. The parallel exists. Whether this word Jesus before Barabbas is legitimate or not, if it, whether it's a legitimate reading or not, but it's as if this is what's happening. It's as if Pilate were saying to the crowd of Jewish people, we have two people here, you guys. We have Jesus, the son of the father, and Jesus, the son of the father. You see that? That is, we have two people who are son of the father. We have Jesus Barabbas, and we have Jesus who is called the Christ. Or Jesus, the son of the father. Jesus, the true son of the true father. And who do you want me to release to you? See, the decision that Pilate called on the nation, the Jewish nation to make, becomes Then much sharper if that reading is a genuine reading, but it's not necessary. It's not even necessary because the decision is still there. We have Barabbas, the son of the father, and we have the Lord Jesus, who is called the Christ, who is the eternal son of the father. So it doesn't even matter. But I think you're smart just like me and everybody else, all right? You get it. Look at verse 17 and 18. Put it together. Whom do you want me to release you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? For he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Pilate's a smart guy too. He's got a bead on what's happening. Are you kidding? He knows exactly what's happening. He understands the culture. He's a smart guy. He's educated. You know, later on, you have this great conversation between him and Jesus about truth and goodness, right? So he knows that the Lord Jesus isn't guilty of the charges that have been brought against him. But he knew also that the scribes and the Pharisees and the crowds were jealous of the fame and the power and the following of the Lord Jesus. He got that. These guys don't like him. That's why they want to get rid of him. There's a sudden interruption, though, and this is where every guy just needs to pay attention. There are times when you got to listen to your wife. And I, want, I know what you're thinking. Is there any time when we don't have to listen to them? And I'm going to say, no. <laughs> What's the matter with you? You need to listen. Pilate should have paid attention to his wife. She has a perspective that's really important. Look at verse 19. He's sitting on the judgment seat. And his wife sends him a message. Now, if Linda sent me a message right now, I would pay attention. I don't care how important it is. I pay attention to the messages that she sends me. And she's smart, too. So she's not just texting me frivolously all the time. All right? So if it, if it happens during important times, Linda knows when things are important. So she sends me a message, I'm going to pay attention. So Pilate pays attention. He is actually smart. Remember this. All right? Verse 19, sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sends him a message. Have nothing to do with this innocent man. I've suffered greatly as a result of the dream about him today. Now, look, she's living it. She's his wife. She gets it. She knows exactly what's going on as well. Evidently, it, she's had a nightmare, a sleepless night kind of thing. You ever have one of those where something just keeps just bugs you and you can't sleep? Yeah, happens to me all the time. All right, so she's got one of these things that's so vivid to her that she couldn't help but send him a message, and she does it immediately. This is a big deal. I think it's very revealing of the relationship that existed between Pilate and his wife. Evidently, they got a good relationship. That's what's going on. It's really clear. And the fact that there's this good relationship between Pilate and his wife, it makes the decision that Pilate makes later that it results in a negative effect on the Lord Jesus, it makes it even more pathetic to me. Why? Because here's a guy who loved his wife, whose heart is real, and so he actually understands love. And he demonstrates the capacity to love. And so Pilate's decision to give the Lord Jesus over to the crowds, it makes it even more pathetic and pitiful. It's unbelievable to me. It's it's a providential warning. It's God speaking to the wicked heart of this Roman prefect, again, before he makes the fatal decision to hand over the Lord Jesus. But Pilate, a man who had um, Rome's love for justice, that's what he has. He's, He's all about justice. Rome loves justice. And at the same time, the warning, the providential warning from his wife, he still, he still does not listen to either one of them and speaks to them saying, who do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? And they said, Barabbas. So even though he has a, a Roman's love for justice and even though he has been warned by his wife, he gives our Lord Jesus over in order to be punished to death. That is pathetic. And before you get too critical of Pilate, And too critical of everything going on. I'm telling you, if you can't see yourself in this, you're not paying attention. This is all of us. This is all of us, all the time. How many times are you just like, nah? You just ignore. And our world just ignores. I mean, just straight up in your face like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? We ignore things all the time. Now, this is a remarkable illustration. Christ died for our sins. And also, the the, the next thing that we're going to get into is the perennial madness of the crowd's choice. It's really important that the things that we learn in God's word be applied, that is, that they be made vivid and real to us. So that's why I like to say, what does this have to do with me now? Sit tight, because we're going to keep going here just for a minute. We're talking about the physical as an illustration of the spiritual. But think for a moment about the condition of Barabbas. Think about this guy, just for a minute. Put yourself in his shoes. You're smart people. He's obviously um, got some some smarts uh, about him. When he was a man, he's a guy whose condition is hopeless. He's going to die, all right? The wages of sin are death. That's how you can connect the dot. The Bible says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. As far as Barabbas was concerned, he had no future at all. He's a murderer. He's a seditionist. The Romans are going to put him to death by crucifixion. Think about that. That's what he's thinking about. Crucifixion, the most brutal way you could think of to die. All of this is happening hours before his release. He had no doubt been thinking about what was going to happen in the future, he's thinking about the crucifixion. He has to, so Barabbas also had to be thinking about uh, um, the, the the crucifixion, and his thoughts are concentrated on that. He's a guy who's sinful, he's guilty, and he stood condemned. A beautiful picture, of course, of all of us. We're all guilty before God and condemned. So I'm sure that it didn't take a great deal of thought for Barabbas to have a pretty good theory about atonement. Ultimately, the Lord Jesus is the one who hangs on, the, on that middle cross in the place of what Barabbas thought, um, thought would be his cross. Are you, are you kidding? That doesn't cross his mind? And on the day of crucifixion, as the jailers come and take this guy out, to, out, they open up the door, right? The Roman soldier says, Barabbas, you're free. The crowd's choice was that he would get redemption from the death that he was supposed to die. He's got to be thinking about that. The Messiah, Jesus who's called the Christ, died for Barabbas. In other words, the cross that Jesus hung on Was the cross ultimately that Barabbas should have been hanging on? It's even possible. It's not a stretch. It's even possible that he that he he could have gone out to that mountain and to just take a look. He had to be uh, have been really impressed by what just happened. And if he had gone out there with that crowd as he he looked at the Lord Jesus, he could truly say in a physical sense, that man died for me. That man was my substitute. It's not a stretch at all. Now, transforming that from the physical to the spiritual sense, all right, you got an illustration of the atoning work of the Lord Jesus. What does this have to do with me? He was our penalty substitute. Jesus was our penalty substitute. This is the most beautiful picture you can describe in a gruesome scenario. Barabbas, by virtue of the fact that he had been freed by the authorities, listen to this, freed by the authorities of Rome and by virtue of the fact that Jesus had died under the judgment of Rome. Remember, Rome is all about justice. Barabbas is a man who now stands free or righteous before the Roman government. He can go anywhere he wants. He's free. This is how the Savior becomes our righteousness. You know, we sing about this all the time. This is the perfect illustration. 2 Corinthians 5:21, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. Barabbas stood looking at the cross, stood looking at as, as a free man, one who had been delivered by the authorities and now stood right before them. He stood in right standing before Rome because of Jesus. Number two, the second thing that I I think is so important to notice is the perennial madness of the crowd's choice. I mean, really, who do you want me to release? They say Barabbas. And to make it even worse, in a moment after Pilate had tried to free himself from guilt... They've answered and they say this, this is insane. This is true madness, right? Verse 25, in reply, all the people said, let his blood be on us and on our children. Why would you say that unless you're mad? You're just mad. You just go, what? Have you seen any madness over this last year or so or any madness anywhere in our culture? Don't, don't put it beyond yourself, Inside and outside the church, I see madness all the time. This is true madness that the crowd that the crowd selects Barabbas instead of Jesus. So, so, so like I said, don't be too critical. It's that same kind of choice that we all have made until the day that by the grace of God, we came to Jesus as our own savior. We were all doing this. When we decide that we're going to put our business, business over the claim of claims of Christ or our families over the claims of Christ or our pleasures over the claims of Christ. We're guilty of the same kind of decision that prefers a Barabbas to the true son of the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you and me. Number three, we're guilty of the same kind of decision that prefers a Barabbas to the true son of the Father. So there's this guy, he's a great artist and he does, most of his artwork is through terracotta tiles and they're all over in ancient churches and stuff and he puts a scenery together. That's just, it's an amazing detailed scene and you can see it. These are actually small tiles that, you know, they're all over churches, all over the planet in Israel and every place. They're, They're really cool. It's such a great picture of this pilot seated on his judgment throne. Two doors, Jesus, Barabbas, the crowds gathered, the Roman soldiers, all kinds of craziness going on. I want to close by saying, number four, there's a need for a decision, and the decision's now. Why would you wait now? The Apostle Paul said, there stands before us two men, Barabbas, who is the son of the Father, and Jesus, who is the true son of the Father, who is Christ. So, Barabbas will never cleanse you. And he represents a lot of stuff, right, that we utilize, we try to justify. He'll never cleanse you. He'll never heal you. He'll never be able to give you forgiveness of sins. He'll never enable you to stand justified before God. He'll never be able to meet the trials of life by comforting you, strengthening you with the power of the Holy Spirit. Barabbas can't do any of that. He represents all kinds of things, doesn't he? We don't have to talk about the simplicity of the answer that we should give when it comes to the choice. The answer is trust. Trust Jesus is not a gamble. He's not a gamble. He is not a gamble. Will you trust Jesus? I just think, how could you go about this, talking about these guys without presenting the choice? The choice before us is Barabbas and Jesus, who is the Christ. I'm praying that God, if you've never trusted Jesus, that God, by His grace, would enable you to put your trust in Him. Number five, if you've never believed, put your trust in the Lord Jesus and abandon all your other trusts. See, that's how it gets real. We're trusting in almost everything else, right? Abandon all the other choices that are wrong and make the one decision that brings life by the grace of God and faith in Jesus. It's actually really simple. It's not complicated, but it is hard because you've got to give up everything. Pilate, he seems to just be a worm in a lot of ways, right? He just don't be that, there's, there's so many other applications, right? Staring, right? staring you right in the face and that we just stiff arm God and good sense God speaking to us and we go the way of the politician all the time. We, we do it all the time. I do it. I'm just like you in that way. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this vivid scenery. This vivid scenery. I'm praying, God, that. I'm praying, God, that there are people here today who've never made that, this choice that it's staring them right in the face and praying by your grace, um, Father God, that you um, would motivate those here today to choose Jesus and reject all the other choices that are out there. It's about Jesus plus nothing. So um, I'm praying God that that would be, um, our decisions today. We pray this then in Jesus, the true Son of the Father's name. Amen. Have a good day, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church podcast. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message please visit our website at www.veilchristian.com.